Hello, Carl. Hello, hello. How are you? Would you like to introduce yourself? I will. My name is Carl H. Sharperson, Jr., and I'm the uh, president and CEO of Sharperson's Executive Leadership. I'm a leadership innovation strategist, and I help people go from being mediocre to maximizing their potential. Um, I do speaking, business consulting, executive coaching, team building. I also do professional recruiting, and I recently uh, authored a book called Sharp Leadership, Overcome Adversity to Lead with Authenticity, which is, I think is a life-changing book. Yeah, so how are you dealing with the current situation? Well, the, um, I, I, call, I consider myself blessed because I have a shelter, I have food in the refrigerator, I got a little money in the bank. So relatively speaking, I am blessed. Uh, but I think that one of the things that happens with this shutdown, uh, it has caused everybody to stop and do things differently. So it has, it has basically disrupted everybody's schedule, no matter how much money you make, no matter what your role is, whether you're a parent or whatever, but it has disrupted everybody's life. So with that, it's disrupted my life. So I've forced myself to do some things to keep from um, being off track. So what kind of things do you do? Well, one of the things that I think is important is, I think it's important to get a routine. For example, I used to get up at four o'clock in the morning, I'd either swim two hours, work out for two hours, then I'd come home, I'd do my devotional, and then I'd start working, and I'd shut it down about five o'clock, working from home or either traveling or whatever. And I got in bed by 10 o'clock, and then, you know, four o'clock comes pretty early. So that was my routine, and that's been disrupted. So I wanna make sure that I think exercise is very, very important whether you're going through stress or not going through stress. So now I walk two hours every day in the morning, right? Uh, so that's one of the things that I've done differently and I put structure in my life to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm doing certain things. So what are you doing differently as a Christian in this difficult time? Well, one of the things that the Bible talks about, which I firmly believe, and I've actually had an opportunity to exercise it is, uh, James says that we should count it all as joy when we are faced with trials of many kinds, because we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance and perseverance must have its perfect way in order for us to be mature, complete, lacking nothing. So the, the Bible says, and James says, when you, when you go through adversity, you ought to be happy about it. Um, and it's difficult to do that sometimes, but my experience has been uh, when you look for the good in something, it's almost like making lemonade out of lemon. Bad things happen. But for example, this, with this virus, it's causing us to disrupt our lives and do some things differently that we would not normally do if we did not have this adversity. If we did not have this adversity, a lot of people wouldn't be doing Zoom calls. I, my family members are talking more now than they were before the, the crisis. So that's one example right there. And the other thing is, uh, the, other, the other thing I think is important, what I'm trying to do now more than anything else is trying to be an encourager. Um, when you look at the news and you talk to people, it's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of people that were living paycheck to paycheck, so they don't have money. They have kids at the house that they don't know how to homeschool. Uh, some of them have lost jobs. So it's a lot of stress going on. 
So uh, just being a light in this dark world, I think is part of what my role is. Then what should you do if you're going through a difficult time, like you lost a job or you're struggling uh, educating children at home? Well, I, I, I know that um, when I go through tough times, uh, one of the things I try to do is I try to simplify whatever it is. Um, and I believe in threes, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, uh, eat, sleep and exercise. So there's some, so no matter what's going on, I try to break it down into three. So one three that I think is important to do all the time, because you're either, you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm, one or the other. So what I've always tried to do is there's some things that I always want to do is I want to, I want to uh, read the word, read the Bible. I want to pray. And I want to meet with the body of believers at least once a week. So that's one of the things that I think is important. And if you're not a Christian, I think that's one of the things that, that you should adopt and do, right? Another threesome is um, eat, write, sleep, and exercise. So no matter whether you're going in the storm, you're in the storm, or you're out of the storm, those are bedrocks that you have to force yourself to have the discipline to do. Because at some point in time, you're going to come out. If you come out and you've eaten right, uh, you slept, and you've exercised, then you'll be a much healthier person when you come out of the storm. If you don't, then you come out of the storm and, shoot, and all you can do is sleep and try to recover. Yeah, I agree with you completely. But uh, what if the person is in a little bit more dire situation, like uh, they lost a job, they, they now they have the income has dropped drastically. And so now the person needs to worry about paying the rent, keeping the light on, and uh, possibly finding the next meal. What kind of advice can you give to them? Well, one of the, you made a good point, because if you have somebody that doesn't have the discipline or doing what I just talked about doesn't come naturally, then one of the things I do believe is that uh, you have to humble yourself, right? So you have to humble yourself and ask for help. You ask for help from the Lord. You ask for help from uh, people around you, okay? Because nobody gets to where they are by themselves, right? Uh, when I was diagnosed with cancer nine years ago, uh, I had stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, burned through all my long-term savings, burned through all my short-term savings. I didn't have any money. I didn't know what to do. So I humbled myself and I reached out to some people that I knew. Now, I, I made myself read the word and do, read the word, meet with everybody, believe all that. But I also reached out to some people and I said, I need some help. Um, and that's something that's tough for people to do. But like I said, nobody gets to where they are by themselves. And everybody that's gone, if you, if you look at all the people that are quote unquote famous, they could be preachers, they could be movie stars, they could be athletes, they could be whatever you want to call them. If they've done some stuff that's just unbelievable, astronomical, nine times out of 10, they have a real tough story that, that, that they went through to get there. Uh, you mentioned that you had cancer. Uh, that must have, have affected you in um, tremendously in every possible way. But I'm curious to know, how did it affect your faith? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I grew up, I was always uh, healthy. 
I always ate right, sleep right, exercise right, so I was very healthy. <clears throat> and I always told my wife, I said, as long as I have my health and my strength, then we'll figure out how to make it, right? So when I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, at that time, um, I was weak. Uh, I looked like I was six months pregnant. Uh, I had sunken in face, sunken arms, legs. I looked like one of those starving kids from Africa, right? So I got to a point where not only was I um, sick, I was sick and broke. Sick, broke. So when you're laying in the bed, or I'm in my prayer closet, it's just me and the Lord. That's it. So, um, so at that point in time, you know, I, that's when I said, okay, I'm going I'm to pray, ask the Lord for uh, direction. Uh, I reached out to some people. They helped me out. So um, I think that when you go through something like that, you know, it, it, it caused me to do some things that I normally wouldn't do. It caused me to pray some prayers that I normally wouldn't pray. It caused me to build some relationships that I normally wouldn't, wouldn't build. Now, the other thing that I found out is, you know, one of the things that happens, I think, is as you pour into people in your life, uh, if you do that, then when you need help, you'll have others pour into your life. They might not be the same individuals, but that's kind of one of the things that happened. And I saw a lot of that when I asked for help. So it, it increased my faith. It strengthened my faith. It gave me a testimony where I can... Um, give the testimony to others to help others have hope. Uh, so if somebody's going through cancer, I can relate to that. And w one of the things I think happens when you go through your trials and your tribulations is if you can talk to, listen to somebody that's also gone through it, then it gives you hope. For example, when I went through my cancer journey, a, a buddy of mine sent me a book called I Choose to Fight by a guy that went to the Naval Academy with me named Tommy Harper. And he was diagnosed with uh, testicular cancer at the age of 19 in 1973. So in 1973, if you can just imagine what chemotherapy was and what uh, radiation was, chemo was basically a syringe. Chemotherapy is you go to, I mean, uh, radiation was you go to a dark dungeon and get zapped. He lost about 60 or 70 pounds. He was given an 8% chance to live six months. And he lived until he was 55 and had two kids. They said, you're gonna die in six months and you'll never have kids. So as I'm reading this book and I'm going through my cancer journey, it gave me hope. And that's what the testimonies I think of individuals can do. That is very powerful. Um, so how did you get to know Jesus? I was, I, I got to know Jesus at a very young age. Uh, my parents were believers. So I grew up in the church and at the age of about 12, I gave my life to the Lord at uh, Jones Memorial United Methodist Church. Uh, now I've, I gave my life to the Lord, but I, I didn't, um, you know, it, it's been a journey to learn and really exercise your faith and exercise your belief and things like that. So, you know, what I have found is that your, your, your faith gets tested as you go through stuff. Um, and it's just become stronger. Uh, was there any, uh, experiences or a um, periods of time that you ex experienced a uh, spurt of growth uh, in faith? There's a couple of examples that I can remember. Um, when I was um, 
I had gotten out of the Marine Corps. I was working for Procter & Gamble in Albany, Georgia. So I got out of the Marine Corps as a pilot in the Marine Corps, got out of the Marine Corps. And when I got out, my hearing in my right ear at the high decibel range was slowly decreasing. You could see it over time. So the ENT told me that I had wax in my ears. So I got discharged. And when I was working for Procter & Gamble, I would have these health screenings. So when I had the health screenings, I could see that the, my hearing in my right ear at the high decibel range was still getting uh, decreases. So I thought when I was military, maybe it was because I had earplugs were not in or something like that. But when it continued to happen, then they sent me to a ear, nose, and throat specialist. They did a, a CAT scan of my head and found out that I had an acoustic neuroma, which is a brain tumor on the nerve between the um, hearing nerve and the facial nerve. You see some people have strokes and they lose their facial nerve. So the, the um, this tumor was right on that nerve. So I went in and they, they, they told me I had a tumor and said, you need to have it removed. So um, I went to three different doctors. Uh, one doctor, he said he'd never done it before. I said, okay, I think I'll go to somebody else. <laughs> went to this one doctor, uh, Dr. Roten at Change Teaching School at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Went down there, he was doing about five or six operations a day. Very good. So. Uh, he said he could do the surgery. He said I was in pretty good health. He thought I could recover from it. So they went in the back of my head, uh, made a, um, I don't know, incision, maybe three inches long, pulled the skin back, cut the skull, cut the um, bone out of my skull, took the tumor out, put the skin over, didn't put the skull back because it was small enough. And so now I have a, a, a line behind my ear in, in my skull, back, back in the skull. Anyway, so during that time period, my parents came up and my mother took me to the hospital. She stayed with me and my dad went home, right? So my dad told me for the first time, he told me the first time that he loved me. That's the first time I can remember hearing that from my dad, right? But the other thing that happened was when I went to bed, when I was just before the surgery, I prayed and I said, Lord, if you take me away, I've still lived a very productive life. So that was almost like a come to realization that, you know, I may not be here. And if, that, if, I, if I'm not here, that's okay. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a significant event. That was, a, a, I think, a growth, a growth spurt. Uh, and then about, probably about, probably 2002, 2003, uh, I, met a, I met a gentleman at a Bible study, in the Bible study. He was an older gentleman. Uh, at the time, he was probably 70 years old, very wise, self-made millionaire. And uh, he took me to the Timothy program, which is a program that um, Christian uh, men's program put together where you have a, a senior person that kind of takes you through the Bible. And it's Paul and Timothy. So the Timothy is the person. So that was very uh, uh, life-changing. And this guy really walked the talk. He did not um, sugarcoat things. He said it like it was, but he was very loving, very giving, and he just loved pouring into people. So that was kind of transformational for me also. And then the cancer journey. Yeah, can you tell us more about the Timothy program? Uh, well, it was, it was basically, um, you go through the book of Timothy and you read scripture, memorize scripture, and you talk about how you can, uh, you know, about salvation, uh, about the word, uh, and that's pretty much what it is.
uh, the program? Oh, well, you know what? I think that I think that the secret sauce was the person that was taking me through it. Right. So I think he could probably take me through anything, <laughs> any. And, and, and because he because we talked about it, he lived it. We talked about how and I saw him exercising what Jesus did, loving on people, uh, sharing the gospel. <clears throat> so that was really the value of it was basically having a mentor that read the Bible, explained the Bible and then walked it. Yeah, having read your book, I know your um, military experiences influenced you tremendously. Um, so how did that military background is impacting you in this uh, difficult time? Well, that's a great point because that's a, a big part of my background is, um, so at the Naval Academy, which is where I, I spent four years to become a Marine Corps officer. Um, and there's some basic things that you learn there. The first thing is you learn that you learn to follow first. So you learn to take orders, right? You don't ask a whole lot of questions. Uh, so going through the indoctrination there, uh, during that summer, there were four things. If, they, if an upper class asked you any question, there was only four responses that you could give. The response would be, yes, sir, no, sir, no excuse, sir, or I'll find out, sir. Those are the only four responses. So if you're in formation and you're looking good and you know you're looking good and you've done everything right and your upper class says your shoes are dirty, okay, what's your response going to be? Either yes, sir, no, sir, no excuse, or I'll find out. So really, it's either no, either I'll find out, sir, or no excuse, sir. Those are the two responses you got, right? So you're forced to take accountability for what you do, even sometimes if it's not your fault. Uh, and you tell the truth when you know sometimes there are going to be consequences. And if you're in a leadership role, whether you're in the military or something like that, it doesn't make any difference. You got to tell the truth uh, because the truth will save lives because lying will kill, will, 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 will um, kill people. So growing up with the understanding of always telling the truth, the other thing I learned was always take care of your people. Um, and it's all about relationships. You know, um, nobody gets to where they are without having a relationship. Somebody's pulled you up, somebody's pulled you across. Uh, so those are some basic things that I learned. And when, when the pandemic or something like that happens or disruption occurs, then I go back to what I learned in the military. So in the military, you're always going through exercises where something's not right, something's messed up, and you got to quickly assess and come up with a plan. So that's where I came up with the motto of you got to stop, assess the situation, and then you got to simplify. You can't do everything all the time, right? Uh, so what are the top three things you can do Put your focus on that. Keep your head down and do that. But what happens a lot of times is you get, you get unfocused and then you just spin and you're not doing anything. So that's one of the things that I've learned over time. It's almost like muscle memory. If you've ever played a sport, golf, baseball, soccer, doesn't make any difference. You, your muscles, you, you have muscle memory. So that's kind of what you get when you practice uh, disruption. You practice things not going well. When I was a pilot in the Marine Corps, we spent 90% of our time practicing what to do when something went wrong. 
so that when something goes wrong, you just got to react. You don't have time to think about it. So that's some of what I do now, unconsciously. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what military guys do, like prepare, prepare for the worst and just keep repeating the same thing and same thing over and over again. I mean, just, this is a perfect time for you to shine, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that, so, so this uh, virus has kind of affected what I do because I do speaking. I do a lot of work with organizations. So now I'm in the, in the, um, in the house. So I say, okay, so what can I do now productive? Cause I want to get better during this downtime. My goal is to get better. I need to be able to self-improve myself, get better. So, so I said, so one of the things I started doing was I've got about three or 4,000 people on LinkedIn. So I said, you know what? I've got a book. So I, uh, I said, this is what I'm going to do. So I send out, LinkedIn responses to, to people. And I start off by saying, I pray that you and the family are doing well during these tough times. And uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to read or share my book, Sharp Leadership, Overcome Adversity to Lead with Authenticity. But I think it's a great read, especially during this time period. And then I say, uh, uh, you can click on the link below and order a book. So. I've had, so I've started doing that, you know, so I spend my day doing that and doing some other stuff as that as well as encouraging people, because at some point in time, when we come out of this, you know, people need to, people will remember. Yeah. What, what can we learn from your book? Well, I think the book, um, I do believe, I call it a manual for overcoming adversity in any environment, in any stage of life. So it's biblical principles. And it works in the family if you're a father or a mother. It works uh, if you're an athlete. It works if you're in the military. It works if you're in corporate America. It works if you're in a small business. It works in the community. It works at church, in the faith base. So these basic simple principles uh, are, are applicable in anything. Uh, and a lot of people... I call them wearing masks. And I learned this when I was growing up. You know, there are very few people that are authentic. Most people have a mask that they wear at home. They have a mask that they wear when they go to work. They have a mask when they're with their friends. And they're never the same, right? So being authentic all the time is something that's important. And you can be authentic. I, what I try to do is be authentic in all of those environments. You're not going to see a different Carl. This is the same Carl that's going to show up every time. Where did you get that idea? Which one? <laughs> the, 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 being authentic. Oh, authentic. Not wearing the mask, yeah. Oh, the, well, well, I grew up in, uh, in uh, Virginia. I moved from Washington, D.C., of all-black environment, African-American environment, to integrating a school in Virginia. So I was called names. Uh, people didn't want to be around me. So it was a pretty, pretty tough time during that time period. So that's when I learned that people are, I might call it two-faced, or people, no, people aren't, people are wearing masks. Because there was a family that lived right across the street from me, across the road from me, a white family. And we, we, um, we bailed hay together, we ate at the dinner table, and all sorts of stuff. But when it came, came time to go to school, then it's not like they called me names, but they weren't my best friend, right? So I understood that, mm, okay, how do I deal with that? So, I, so that's kind of, over time, I learned that. And, uh, you know, when I meet people, the first thing I look at and listen to is if I hear a bunch of I, 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 me, 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 then that's somebody I want to stay away from. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to treat them badly. 
but they're all about themselves and I don't have time for that. <laughs> but, but that's one of the things that people have said that have read the book because it's so, my book is so transparent. Like I said before, everybody that's done anything has a story, right? It hasn't been smooth. It's been rocky. So your testimony, if you, if you have a cancer journey, you have a financial crisis, you have a health crisis, you know, whatever that is, that's, that's what's going to attract you to people. You know, people aren't attracted to pretty people that have nothing wrong. People get attracted to people that have gone through some stuff. And the other thing I've, I've, I've determined too is, for example, uh, I've, worked in, I've worked in three Fortune 500 companies. So I developed this process, and the process was this. Um, if you happen to be a minority in an organization, uh, then the probability of you getting accurate, timely, and useful feedback is not going to happen. Because most people don't like to get feedback, period. So if you're trying to give feedback to somebody that doesn't look like you, you're going to get it less and less and less. So one of the things that I developed was when I joined an organization or somebody joined my organization, I developed what I call a join-up process. So I would have a meeting with them. I says, and I'd start off and say, my name is Carl Sharperson. A little bit about me. This is where I grew up. This is what I like to do. Da, 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 da. And then I'd say, um, I have three expectations of you. Tell me the truth. If you see me doing something that either I'm going to hurt the organization or hurt you, please let me know as soon as possible. And the other thing is, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to help you. See? So those are some basic expectations. And then I say, what are your expectations of me? So that first meeting, before we get into whatever we get into, then this, I've got a foundation. The biggest thing is, I told you that I want you to tell me if I'm doing something that's not right. Okay? So it's a high probability that that will occur. And then when I, when I hear that feedback, I need to say thank you for it, even if I don't agree with it. So being able to join up kind of cut some of that stuff out. Some of the people wearing masks and not wanting to get feedback and things like that. And then I'd go back to them periodically on some frequency. If it was a boss or a peer and say, tell me how I'm doing. Tell me what I'm doing well. Uh, I use the start, stop, continue model. I says, tell me some things you want me to start, stop. Tell me some things you want me to continue. Tell me some things that you want me to uh, start doing. And I give that, so it's, that's like a three or four minute session on feedback, but it keeps you on track. So that's kind of how I've taken the, the mask situation, <laughs> tried to make it positive. Yeah, uh, it sounds like the root of the problem is that you can't, uh, the trust, you can't be, you can't be authentic self kind of deal. Well, see, I, th I think that the root of the mask thing is everybody's insecure. So in that insecurity, people do whatever they think they need to do to please or whatever. See, so the people that called me names, what I found out over time was uh, that hurt people hurt people. So if somebody's calling me names, they're insecure in their own skin. It's not my problem. It's their problem. Yeah, I I agree with you hundred uh, percent. It is it is their insecurities, uh, but at the same but at the same time, uh, they're they're showing their true self. They are they're showing their um, authentic self because they have enough trust in their in their environment. So uh, so they they're comfortable 
showing their true color, true true self, um, their 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 insecurities. But in the case of your neighbor, uh, they they were afraid of rejection themselves, and uh, in the case of a Fortune five hundred five hundred company, um, they they probably th- were thinking something like. If I say something negative toward a minority, it, it's going to somehow uh, come back to me um, negatively. So um, they, they didn't have enough trust, David. They didn't have enough, um, uh, enough. they didn't feel safe enough to speak their mind, their, to, to be their true self. But if you, uh, if you're secure in Jesus, if you trust if you have trust in Jesus, you can, you can be your authentic self. Um, like the like the case of uh, Tim Tebow, uh, you you might get ridiculed, you might get looked down upon, but you you still have trust in Jesus. You still have security, so you can be your yourself, your authentic self. The, the the way God made you to be, the way the the way God intends you to be. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it comes down to, like you said, being secure in your own skin. If you're, if you're secure in your own skin and you do what Jesus does, if you, if you do everything that Jesus does in the Bible, love people, treat people fairly, if you do all that kind of stuff and you're secure in that, and that's what you do day in, day out, and all that kind of stuff, then you don't have to worry about the mask. But if you have to worry about pleasing man or pleasing the outside, that's, that's the difference. So you're either pleasing man or you're pleasing God. <laughs> right, right. So, I, I mean, I, I, I 100% agree with that, but it is hard. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie, it is hard. I, it's, when, they, when the people look at you differently, it, it, is, it is hard. Like, you want to you belong to people, you want to belong to the world kind of thing. But, yeah, it's, but as a Christian, it, it, is, it, is, it, is not your, it is not what you're looking for. It is not what you're... Um, uh going after it, it, it is as a christian we we are looking for looking looking to jesus always looking uh looking to follow his teachings looking to follow his uh his words um so i mean uh like 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 your like your mentor it, it is i guess it comes back to that story like being the light in this world do the uh just just i guess i guess I mean, it is a process, like you said. Like the uh, once you become Christian, you're not going to be perfect all of a sudden. So it is a process. So you just got to be. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and I think that once you think it's kind of like marriage. Once you think you've arrived and you got it figured out, because <laughs> <laughs> life is like this. It's ups and downs. Uh, it's not a matter of if you're going to get knocked down. It's when you're going to get knocked down. And when you get knocked down, your your faith's going to be tested. So do you have the muscle memory in reading the word? Do you have the scriptures in you that you're living and walking? Are you praying? Are you meeting with believers to encourage you to take you through those uh, dark times? Yeah, so just to kind of sum up our conversation, uh, be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. And if you find yourself uh, overwhelmed, uh, reach out and ask for help. And one way to uh, prepare is by reading on this book and 
because it's not just about it's not just his story or experiences it's not just about his race or it's not just about um it's not just for the ones with a military background um everyone can relate to it everyone can learn from his story and everyone can prepare for that um inevitable time so uh can you tell us where we can find you okay uh my website is www.carlsharpersonjr.com which is c a r l s h a r p e r s o n j r.com uh, or if you just google carl sharperson or you google sharp leadership on uh, google it'll pop up Oh, it's been great talking to you, Carl. I very much enjoy the conversation, and I, I the short conversation, I learned a lot. Of it's, I mean, I knew you you're gonna be concise and precise and like all that stuff. You're very, very, very much military guys. I can tell. So, I mean, it's just it it was it was great. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for allowing me to be on the podcast. Appreciate it. Right, thank you very much.